0: hello and welcome back to 365 days with MXM tune i'm maya a singer songwriter videomaker, oakland native and a news enthusiast i'm also a big fan of history i love untold stories gross facts and secrets anything weird dark and funky from the past so each day i'm going to share a few of my favorite deep cuts with you so let's take a look at today's stories with a quick apology if i sound a little bit less enthusiastic than usual i feel a bit out of sorts today no real reason in particular i think it's just probably a byproduct of being mentally ill but you know what it's okay today we're gonna get through it and we're gonna talk about some interesting stories it's 365 with mxm2 new
1: facts every day so don't leave too soon i'm gonna teach you stuff no it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's 365 65.
0: Today, on March 8, 2014, Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 disappeared on its way from Beijing to Kuala Lumpur. There were 227 passengers and 12 crew members on board. Let me start out by saying that while plane crashes aren't impossible, they are really, really rare. On top of that, it's extremely uncommon for an airplane to evaporate without a trace, Like, you can definitely count the number of times a plane has disappeared without a trace on one hand. That's important to consider when we're thinking about the complete disappearance of Malaysia Airlines flight MH370. A true aviation mystery and one we still don't have answers to. Let's reverse and talk about what we do know. Flight MH370 took off a little after 2.30am local time from Kuala Lumpur, the capital of Malaysia. The plane easily reached its cruising altitude of 35,000 feet by 1 a.m. local time. All was normal and regular for a commercial flight, but just as the airplane was about to enter Vietnamese airspace over the South China Sea, the transponder, a radio transmitting device, was switched off. Civilian radar began tracking the plane as it doubled back over the Malay Peninsula before turning north again towards the Strait of Malacca. By 2.22am, the Malaysian military had lost all contact with the plane, but they could see it was still sending off hourly signals which were detected by a satellite stationed over the Indian Ocean. The last known signal was relayed at 8.11am local time. That seems like a lot of data, so what happened? How did a massive airplane disappear? We don't know the full answer to that question, but here's what we do know. At first, authorities looked for the plane in the South China Sea, but at 1,400,000 square miles, that's still a pretty big space to look for the remains of one plane. The plane seems big on the ground next to people in buildings, but in a big open ocean, it's not the same. Authorities also analyzed the signals from the satellite, which helped a little bit to pinpoint possible arcs of travel. Either the plane had crashed somewhere between Java and the southwest of Australia, or it disappeared to the north between Vietnam and Turkmenistan. But as you can imagine, either disappearing to the southwest or to the north leaves a whole lot of area for it to have disappeared in. That all happened within about a week after the plane disappeared. Nine days later, on March 24th, the Malaysian Prime Minister, Najib Brazak, announced that based on the facts available, it seemed most probable that the plane crashed in a remote part of the Indian Ocean, and it was extremely unlikely that anyone on board had survived. Officials kept searching. It's hard to give up on a mystery like that, even if you know the end result is tragedy. In early April, an Australian ship picked up several pings, which possibly came from the plane's black box, the device that records flight data. But although other partial signals were detected, by this point, the black box was probably at the end of its battery life and wasn't able to transmit much. Moreover, since locations of the pings could not be fixed, it's also possible that they were just the result of faulty audio equipment. Given that the plane appeared to have vanished into thin air, it's no surprise that in the wake of Flight MH370's disappearance, hundreds of theories sprung up about what happened. These ranged from a mechanical failure, to a pilot's suicide, to a hijacking. The latter seemed pretty unlikely though, since no group ever claimed responsibility. On the chance that someone on the plane had purposely switched off the devices, the backgrounds of all crew members were investigated, but nothing suspicious was discovered. It wasn't until July 2015, more than a year and a half later, that the first piece of debris from the plane was found. Washed ashore on a beach near the French island of Réunion, over 2,000 miles to the west of the area where authorities had first searched, more debris began to surface in places as far flung as Mozambique and Tanzania. But there wasn't enough wreckage or enough new information to continue the search, which had already become the most expensive in history. The US Department of Defense spent over $3.2 million, and the Pentagon allocated another $3.6 million in undersea tech. Australia spent more than $800,000 per day for the use of its ships, the HMS Success, and the HMS Toowoomba. Not to mention money spent by the Chinese, Japanese, and Malaysian governments. Everyone wanted to know what happened, but money can't fix everything. So when the governments of Malaysia, Australia, and China called off the search in January 2017, It wasn't entirely unexpected. Ocean Infinity, a marine robotics company based in Texas, received permission to continue the investigation, but its efforts were futile. In July 2018, the Malaysian government issued its final report on Flight MH370's disappearance. While mechanical malfunction was deemed unlikely, and that the change in flight plan was most probably the result of manual inputs, investigators could not conclusively state how or why Flight 370 disappeared. At this point, We'll probably never know what happened. I guess some mysteries aren't meant to be solved.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
0: Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And now, moving on to some music. Today we have a special guest on the podcast... Sigrid is going to talk about a day in her life.
1: Hello, I'm Sigrid and today marks the two-year anniversary of my debut album, Sucker Punch. The fact that my album was released on the International Women's Day was a total coincidence and I would say meant to be. So my album was probably postponed like five times. And by the fifth time, I was just so proud of the work and ready to get it out as soon as possible. We finally ended on a date which happened to be the 8th of March. And I think I've always felt a bit conflicted with looking at International Women's Day as a celebration. Because for me, it's been a day of reflection and discussion around the inequality people are experiencing across borders. But what I do love about this date now is that it has a new personal meaning to me with the release of my album. So every year now, I have something to celebrate and something to fight for.
0: And now for our final segment, I'm going to go back into my own photo archives and see what I was up to on a March 8th in my life. On March 8th, 2018... I took a screenshot of a playlist on Spotify called New Indie Mix, in which it had my song Temporary Nothing. This was a huge moment for me because I was self-releasing at that point. I didn't have any managers, I didn't have anything, and so Spotify was showing me editorial support for a completely independent artist in the most like bare-bones definition of what that could mean as someone who was just working by herself. Um, That was really exciting. I think that was one of the first times that I got playlisting support from a DSP, which is a digital streaming platform. And um, yeah, I, I just, I think that was crazy to have a platform like Spotify back me up and put me on a playlist of people that I really admired as an artist who was trying to figure out her own voice and landscape of music. That was a really exciting day. Thanks for following this journey with me. Come back tomorrow and we'll go somewhere else in history. To make sure you get every episode, subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. It's 365 with MXM2.
1: New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.